Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. Hi guys, you're very welcome back to our very last episode of the Open Book series for this year, which is crazy. We've done 24 episodes and I'm so excited for today's episode. As you know, this podcast is all about honest conversations about life and the stories that shape it. And our guest today is just the perfect person to do that. Our guest today is Una Leonard. We first met her at the Ampost Irish Book Awards and she was the person buying the shots at the bar when we had to go home. She's hilarious and she's an amazing entrepreneur. If you're not familiar with her name, you'll know her business, 2210 Patisserie. It's an amazing cafe and bakery in Mullingar and you'll probably just recognise the gorgeous pink boxes. They were all over the internet during the pandemic and had us all drooling and keeping us happy. But she has released her first book, Sweet Therapy, and I'm so excited to talk to her today about what's made her who she is. And she's just a perfect example of not judging a book by its cover because there's a lot more to her than what you'd see, I suppose, online. Before we get started, just to let you know, this might be an upsetting listen at points for some of you. There is reference to suicide and some of the topics we talk about aren't easy to listen to all the time. So take care of yourselves and if you need to skip this one, I totally understand. With that being said, let's open the book on Una. Okay, I'm gonna, can you hear that? That is like literally a box of unbelievable goodies. We may have to try them. Yeah, we'll be on a sugar rush. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for coming. And we always start off with this thing. I know you listen, so you probably know this, but what's in your good books this week? What's in my good books? Oh, I just had, I came off a really exciting meeting there now. So for next year. So like this week has very much so been a massive focus on what's going to happen next year. And I'm like buzzing for it. I cannot wait for 2023. Wait, is that, does that mean there's another book coming? There. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Hopefully down the line, hopefully down the line. But there's loads of exciting projects happening next year. Oh my God. Can I I just keep guessing? No. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I actually haven't spoke to anyone yet about how much I'm allowed to say, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. Oh my God, that's so exciting. (laughs) Yeah. In my good books this week, it's, I feel like I'm fully in Christmas mode. Are you? Cozy vibes is my my phrase of the week. (laughs) Just the weather, like the the foggy weather. Yeah, it really is, like the cold weather, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually just love it. And I was up in Belfast the weekend and we went to the Christmas markets. Markets, oh. Mulled wine, like cozy nights in. Nice. All of the lights blasting up the heating we're going to worry about that in January when what we about to, all the mad the, nights out the cozy nights in oh I, I literally <laughs> just spoke to Sarah the, our producer about this right before um, basically went out on Friday with my friends and that's like, do you know what like you can't get a taxi these days Yeah. so I get the fear about that Yeah. The and it's I am getting old it's yeah. a fact so I really do get worried about it because especially because I live the furthest so I would have to walk a bit on my own okay. um, so I booked a taxi and the only time I could get was 10 to 10, which is really early, right? We went for dinner what? at like half seven. What? So I told them and I was like, I'm really sorry, but I had to get a taxi. And they're like, Louise, like, no. no so I cancelled that anyway. <laughs> and at about like a quarter past 11, half 11, I was like, right, guys, I'm going to have to go. So And then I felt bad, but my sister told me last night, 200,000 people got public transport into Dublin City on Friday night. What? And Sarah walked home at 5am from her Christmas party. She's over there. She's over there. Uh, I, well, I'm just telling you, it's the same problem as in Mangar because we had our staff party on Saturday night and I couldn't get any other. I know. Couldn't and I, 
just when you're not wearing the right shoes and no, it's very and cold. Do you know what? We're just not. We're girls aren't like that. We don't. We don't bring the runners in the bag. No, no. no. And even if I did, I won't walk home. I know. I just, I'm just a bit lazy. <laughs> no, and, not happening. Yeah. But what's in your bad books this week? Bad books this week. Um, actually, I was just speaking about this recently. Three or four small businesses in a very small radius to my bakery has closed down. Oh no. And my heart is breaking for small businesses around the country and who sure actually can't stay open over what should be their busiest period. Yeah. And it's 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 heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. What do it's, you think it's down to? It's definitely number one, trying to get staff is extremely difficult at the moment and keep them as well. Then like secondly, it's the price of your heating bills and everything mm, going up. Yeah. The price of stock has gone up by about thirty eight percent. I know nobody wants to hear all of this, but I'm like ah it's on the back of my it's head true. all I know, the time. Yeah. So it's quite scary. I know. Usually um, you see them kind of hanging out until Christmas time and then if they have to close for a little while in January. But when you see yeah, places closing before Christmas, it's... It is disheartening. Yeah, yeah I know. it's tough. Especially like after, this is the first year in ages, everyone, there's yeah, no restrictions, you exactly, know. So it's like, and they can be out and about. It should be wild like Yeah, but, but they can't afford to keep their businesses open. I know, yeah. It's quite sad. Um, in my bad books this week, hmm... I'm having a very nice week. Like. <laughs> Make up something. I know. I'm like, I literally every week it's kind of the same thing. I'm usually giving out about the weather, giving out about the price of things. It's very Irish. Um, I'm going to give out about something. I'm going to give out about the price of clothes. Yeah. Oh. I wanted to find a nice knit jumper the other day, and I couldn't find one. Yeah, and you know what? Not just the knit jumper; it's actually having to wash it as well. I know. Yeah, um, I, I kind of keep away from them because am I wearing a knit jumper? I, I love knit jumper. No, no, I, I just couldn't find one that was like a decent price. Yeah. So and like for the like for one that's like yeah, a nice really really cozy one that yeah. you can have at your cozy nights in and Christmas. I really haven't bought that much clothes this year, so I hate shopping. Yeah, I, I, I hate, shopping hate shopping in store. Hate shopping. I'm like, put me into like a secondhand store. Or like, I actually went into a lovely. Um, vintage store there on the way and I didn't even see it before sorry you're yeah, speaking nice. Sarah's language over here yeah, I'm like I'm we like, need to get her on <laughs> I'm literally like where's my granny's wardrobe gone <laughs> I know I know yeah. and sometimes it's, it's just easier as well because yeah, you can see so I guess how things wash yeah and, and like I go with like these ideas with a list of things that I kind of need to get not need because we all want them we don't need them and I'm like oh I'd love to have something like this this and this and I go up to Dublin I walk around and I don't go into any shops I know I just can't <laughs> I'm like no I'm my mother's daughter she's the same are you an online shopper? when I have to be okay. I like we went to the war we met, I met you at the awards the like, Irish I, Book Awards yeah, yeah the Irish Book ago. Awards and I literally went up with my makeup for the next day my pyjamas for that night and like whatever like Bits I needed and a box from ASOS with a hope that there was a dress in it. Oh my god! And I remember, and your dress was mm. gorgeous. Oh yeah, it was like a pick of four dresses. One of them had to fit, and one of them I had to so wear. So what did you wear home the next day? One of the other dresses. Oh no, I I would <laughs> no, I had like my casual clothes. I, just oh, you did. Okay, good. I, I actually was on another show the next day, so I had to have something. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> very good. Yeah, I saw you in Ireland M there recently yeah. as well. You're very good. Yeah, did you do that often? Uh, I think I've done it three times now. But the day after the Irish Book Awards, I was on the six o'clock show. Oh yes! Yeah. Oh yeah! yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, so yes. that was fun. So I, I had to, that. had to be bright eyed. You had to be absolutely fresh as <laughs> a daisy, and you were which I was, of and course. You were not buying a shop bar at twelve, no. <laughs> but for people who don't know what you do, do you want to explain a little bit about your background and how you got into writing your book? Yeah, um, so it's a story that I never actually thought I'd be telling, but like obviously this year with the book and I wrote a bit about it, I've been telling everybody my story. So I started baking when I was young um, 
and I liked it I enjoyed it and then when kind of my transition from secondary school into college which I was studying I was going to study culinary arts and business I suffered really badly with depression um, and with that came anxiety attacks and I had an eating disorder oh and God. that kind of progressed um, quite badly over a year and I had a suicide attempt oh my god I actually had two suicide attempts within a short space of time. One was a relapse attempt. But while that was happening, I was at home and I was bed bound and the nurses were coming to my house every day and administering medication for me. But I was still that like Irish person that had to give the nurses something when they arrived. So I started baking. (laughs) So I got into the kitchen and started baking stuff. I I, I had an eating disorder at the time, so I couldn't eat it myself. So my thing was to sit down and literally give people food and watch them eat and be like, is it nice? Oh my god! <laughs> so I still kind of slightly do that at the moment. So that kind of that's kind of where like the bacon getting into the kitchen happened, and I absolutely loved it. Like hours would pass, and I was just in my happy space. Um, and then my little nephew, it was around the similar time because I was in the kitchen, and he must have thought I was able to do whatever he asked me to do. <laughs> he asked me to make his third, I think yeah, it was his third birthday cake, and he wanted a John Deere tractor. Like this little boy, like he was only two, like he was only two curly hair, big brown eyes, and he's like, "You make me John Deere tractor." I was like, "Oh my god, he's not seen my portfolio because." I can't <laughs> but I just said yeah, and I went for it, and I researched it, and figured it all out, and yeah, that was the first cake I made, which was like nearly ten years ago now. Oh my god, nearly 10 over years. yeah, 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 Jeez. yeah. So I remember, like, for a long time now, I've heard about your your bakery and like I mean I have never actually tried anything before because you're based out of Mullingar Mullingar sorry Mullingar and um, one of my friends who works in Mullingar every now and then she was like I was telling her that we were having you on the podcast and then she told me this briefly your story because obviously it's it's hugely like it's you know it's it's not just a bakery it's it's touching though (laughs) your story is like hugely touching and I couldn't believe it because when I met you, like you're just so you're full of joy, and you're uh, and that's the name of your book, right? Is it the uh, joy? Sweet therapy, sweet therapy, the joy yeah, of the making. Joy of making. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's just how you like, and it's just I think it's amazing that you've opened up to show that it can be. Yeah, up, you know what I mean. You can. It was actually I was at a stage where like on social media and everybody was kind of contacting me, being like, "So how do you set up a business? Like where do you get funding?" And everyone was like, "Oh, I didn't set up a business like with funding behind me. I didn't set up in the." normal way I had no blueprint I had no plan on making money I had no plan on anything Mm. at all I just wanted to be in a kitchen Mm. so I couldn't I couldn't give advice I couldn't tell people how I set up the business without telling my story and explaining to them that it was actually just purely a passion project Mm -hmm. and so then I actually had to tell my story and I very briefly like ran over it because I was like oh people are going to think I was afraid of what people would think of the story and so yeah then I'm sure it's a hard thing to to talk about, you know. At the time it was because I was still in therapy and trying to figure it out yeah. and understand it. And that was a couple of years on. like, mm. um, And then the lovely guys from Hatch Ireland got hold of a briefing of my story and they asked me, would I be interested in writing a book? Oh my God. And here we are today. Here we are. <laughs> I know. Oh God. Yeah. And you're so amazing at everything that you do, like the baking. I'm oh, sorry, you. these things in front of me. Thank you. Like, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. But was writing a book something that was kind of on your list? For... It wasn't on a list as such, but I think I manifested it unknown to myself. Mm. So when I was younger, I used to say to my mom and dad, I'm going to have a book before I'm 30. Like I literally, really? used, yeah, you say that all the time to them. And it was the 15th of December last year. What date is it today? Today is the 13th of December. Oh, all right. So, so nearly a year ago, the publishers contacted me and asked me would I be only, interested. But only a year. Only a year ago would I be interested in writing a book. And my book was published in September and I'll be 30 this Christmas Day. Wow. Yeah. 
so it actually happened. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's like a dream come true. I know, literally, like quite literally. Were you a big reader and are you a big reader? I read, but I think it's that time thing at the moment. So yeah. I'm, I'm listening to a few, I lo- like there is nothing I love more than sta- like sitting into the kitchen in the evening. Sitting into the kitchen, I don't sit in the kitchen. <laughs> sitting into Getting the into kitchen, <laughs> sitting into the oven. <laughs> Getting into the kitchen in the evening with like a load of cakes to make and just put my earpods in and listening to a book yeah. or listening to a podcast or something like that. So definitely the way I read has completely or listen to books yeah, has changed. Totally like that. But I still too. love them. I'm engrossed in them. Mm. My mom is a bookworm. Like she really? absolutely loves reading. But I am dyslexic, like so sometimes oh, I, really? I yeah, sometimes I have to read over. You just keep twice. surprising me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that yeah. must have been really difficult for you to write a book. Then. I actually remember I I remember reading a book and I think the girl's name was Polly in my eyes the whole way through but her name was actually Dolly when I went to stock to No way. Else. I was like I got that completely mixed up for a whole book. Oh my I god. I never even copped it. That's yeah. so funny. Mm, yeah. But reading, writing a book like I was fully I was 100% sure that I would just write my piece and it would be heavily edited. Mm. So I was like, oh, just when I, and when you get into a flow of writing, it's really scary before you get into it. So when you get into a flow of writing, it just comes and you just, you keep going and you keep writing and you keep putting everything down on paper. Mm. And then it's, oh no, they'll edit it all. But they didn't. <laughs> I was like, no, no, that needs to go to another editor. They didn't. I had to go back myself and I took all the curse words out of it because you're in a flow. flow. Oh my God, no you're, way. You're in a flow. Oh yeah, you're but, just speaking naturally. Yeah, you're, and like, But even, that's how it sounds sent to people, which yeah. is probably a better read. You yeah, know? but I had to apologise to my English teacher. Oh my God, hilarious. <laughs> and I bumped into him, but anyway. Yeah. Oh God, I'd say so proud of you. I don't know about that. My business teacher is. <laughs> yeah, of course. Which book would you say has been your biggest teacher over the last like oh. 10 years? Oh, that's a good one. So I actually, I seem to delve into a lot of like business women books. Mm. So I loved Michelle Obama's book. Oh my God, me too. Yeah, oh, I absolutely She's got a new it. book out. I'm going to try yeah, and read it over yeah, Christmas. I, 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 that's another one that's on my list now for next year. Um, I also, have you read Joe Malone's book? No. Oh my I've listened gosh. to a podcast with her that was really uh, good. Incredible. Her journey, her story, everything. Mm. I felt like even when she was selling off her business and everything to, like that. Was she sold to Estee Lauder and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then set up Joe Loves, mm. which is another perfume company because that was her love, like yeah. her, her thing that she absolutely loved to do. But she started off in an apartment in London with her mom and like making the, all the perfumes from scratch. I just felt like I could relate to her so mm. much. Um, so her story definitely stuck with me. But Actually, randomly, I think it's David Goggins' book. I don't know did, that did you, book. It's, um, it's about this man who went to, oh, I can't know, if, I don't know if I can describe it. He went to do them, uh, he was in the army in the US and he lost loads and loads of weight, but he was, he literally ran on broken legs. But when I read his book, and I still do when I'm training or if when I'm trying to push myself really hard, I relate back to what he done in his book. A phenomenal read, like absolutely okay. brilliant. His story is incredible. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely have to check out Joe Malone's book. Oh, I feel like it, I'd yeah. really enjoy that. Really, really cool, yeah. And you were nominated for a book award this year. Yeah, like, what an achievement. Crazy. Amazing. <laughs> Mad. Like, I couldn't believe it. Even when I was off there, I was like, I should be knee deep in brownie mix right now. This is just, it was completely different to what I would ever be used to. Like, And what do you think it is, like, in your book that people really kind of resonated with? Um, I think it was maybe, like, the fact that I hadn't told my story fully before and it was an opportunity to actually 
read it and mm-hmm. know from start to finish. Well, not so obviously it was only a couple of pages, like so to know like the in-depth background of where I came from and how the business was set up and how we kept progressing it along mm-hmm. the way. Um, and then also like we do have so many people that come to shop every day for brownies and our own invention, doughy bars and magic bars and kinder. They have the opportunity to make all that at home now. I know. You give everything away? There's no secret recipes? Um, well, it's a few kept for maybe a second book. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay, great. Yeah, I was, I was clever like that. There was about 120 recipes that I had originally and I only put eight years. Yeah, and I, and I used to bake a lot with your granny, right? Yeah, we done a little bit of baking with granny. Is, is that kind of where you, your love started for yeah, it's, it? Yeah, in a way, she used to bake a lot of brown bread and you'd hop up on the table beside her and you'd start. So like, Lick you, the bowl. Yeah, you well, no, not with the brown bread mix you want. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to like, um, well, I used to anyway hop up beside her and she'd give you a small bit of her dough. Mm. I used to always like make something out of it, like a face or something and get her to put it into the oven. So I suppose it was the creative oh, side of things. Oh, that's such a nice yeah. memory, isn't it? She used to hate it though because she was like, I just want to get it into the oven. <laughs> yeah, my granny used to be an amazing baker as well. My mom really? is, my sisters are. I'm okay, I can do it. Can but you I bake? Just, I mean, I can do it because my mom would do it with, you know what I mean? I'd do it with Like her, what would you have baked with her at home? Uh, we did a lot of, like all of our birthday cakes were baked at home. Um, brownies, she ama- makes amazing brownies. Uh, this thing called, what do we call it? Cakey tart. It's like a, t- a cake with like a kind of, it's got apple in it and it's got a nice like icing layer on top, almost like apple tart, but not quite. Oh my God, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, she's got her own ones. She'll oh, film that's it. That's amazing. And then during lockdown, I was like, can we do a video? Can we can we record this and can I share the recipe? Because I have nothing else to do, mom. She's, I did it once with her brownies and like it, it, the video did really well. Yeah. But then everyone we showed up with our brownies, right? <laughs> my mom's like, no, we're not giving this them one's away. just for me. This is your granny's <laughs> recipe. We're not giving, I'm like, you're going to have to come up with your own recipes now. Me? Oh, I am absolutely not on that level. <laughs> you just said you're okay at them, so practice makes perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll take your book and try yours out first. Okay. Do that's you make a, Christmas that's a challenge. Cake? Like fruit cake. The like the the, the classic Christmas. Yeah, cake. yeah, yeah, yeah. I make them but just for us at home because like You don't do them in the shop. No, you'd have to make them months in advance. We used to, this is the first year we actually haven't. Oh really? Yeah. We're still too busy with loads of other things. So Yeah, and they take up a lot of space. Yeah, and, and not many well. people go with them. See, we make these like little um chocolate biscuit Rudolphs. And they're oh. really cool for kids and people like chocolate biscuit cake. Yeah. So we end up making hundreds of those over the Christmas period. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, we'll just make them and not make the fruit cake. What <laughs> is your favourite type of book to read for like fun? I don't really do much for fun. <laughs> do you read I like do, business books? Do you I think? do read business books. I read a lot of like um, health books oh, as yeah. such. Like, so, oh yeah. Yeah, like wellness so, re- books? yeah, wellness books, like relationship books. Or, oh yeah. Um, uh, now, I haven't delved into them in a while, but that's what I'm like, my my wall of books would have majority of it like, um, obviously every cookbook and like I have way too many cookbooks. Dude. I need to start selling cookbooks. No, I do sell cookbooks. <laughs> I sell my own cookbook. But I need to like give away cookbooks. <laughs> I need to start selling cookbooks. Oh wait. No, I actually <laughs> have, like I counted them there. Like I have up in three, four hundred cookbooks. Oh my God. So I love flicking through pictures. I will like pick two yes. books. I'll get into bed and instead of like wrecking my brain by reading a book if I'm just like exhausted by the end of the day, I'll flick through books and they give me ideas. So mm. I never read recipes. This is one thing, like, because I can cook and, like, I'm a chef, I just look at pictures and I'm like, oh, that looks really nice. And I'll know what goes into it. I'll try and make that. What? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's mad. Yeah. You I'm just understand probably, the I'm ingredients. I'm probably a better chef than I will be a baker. Really? Do you I cook can. for yourself? Would you make yeah. an effort? Oh. Yeah, I make an effort every day. Oh, my God. Yeah, my so what's very open. Oh. Yeah. So what's for dinner today? Um, what's for dinner today? 
Well, I don't know if I'm going to get home in time for dinner, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, but that's amazing. Yeah. I, I've gotten really into cooking over the last year. What's your signature dish? Oh, whatever Drop Chef provides me with. <laughs> I mean, I cook it myself, okay? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I love like a bit, like I love chicken, meat, meat, veg and potatoes. Like, oh, really, so like a standard Irish like my, dinner. That would be my, probably like my favourite dinner. Like gravy and butter as well. Uh, I do really crispy roast potatoes, so there's not even any need for butter. Oh, nice. I'm good at making those. Okay. Love a nice pasta. Yeah. And what else do I love? Oh, I made a delicious pasta the other day. Did you? Because there's chorizo and chicken come on. Oh my God, yum. Yeah, really, really nice. My favourite. I feel like this podcast turned into a food one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was always going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. What cookbook have you taken most inspiration from over the years? I think my first ever cookbooks that I had were Nevin Maguire's cookbooks and then Doreen Allen's cookbooks. And I used to, no, there was one, now one of Nevin's, his, I think it's actually one of his first books. It's fairly battered, like, you, like there's, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of like ingredients on the pages. Like, so that. you know that it's after being used. Yeah. Um, I actually got to work with Nevin as well. Did you? Yeah. For what? I worked in his restaurant as a chef. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was up there. Um, Where is that again? It's in Black Line. Okay. Near enough to Mullingar. Uh, no, in a skillin. In a skillin. Yeah, oh, okay. up, 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 up there. And did you commute? Uh, no, I lived up there. Oh wow. Yeah, 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 I lived up there, and it was actually around that time that I was quite sick as well. So oh they were God. really supportive of me, and my mom came up and lived with me as well. Oh wow. Yeah, to look after me. Yeah. Oh yeah, God. but it was an amazing time. Like he is phenomenal. So I was at that stage where I was like, he was my idol for years because I was literally like creating all of his recipes out of his books, mm-hmm. and then I actually got to work with him. Yeah, and I was like, oh and God. he seems like a very nice oh, guy, like well. the loveliest person ever. And then I was like, what am I going to do now? Only eating him after doing exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, do you, would you do you want to tell us a little bit about that time when you were? Sick? Yeah. Yeah. So, I suppose. Um, like coming up to like it was it was a ma- like when people when you talk back about sickness or like when you were you you had mental health issues or if you were depressed or anxiety or anything mm. eating disorder it wasn't just like oh I was sick for a month it was an ongoing thing that was for like four or five years so it does take a lot of time to fully recover from something like this mm-hmm. or even at the beginning like I mine definitely began when I was in school in secondary school when I started having a phobia of eating in front of people I would sweat and I'd get really anxious around it and then when I progressed into college I couldn't eat at all because it was just people around all of the time mm-hmm. and there was no home to go home to because I was living in Galway at the time and I was living with strangers at the time who were now my friends but like at the time you just didn't know any different so yeah I suppose that transition was the the tr- like the like a big trigger for me and then within a year of being in college my granny passed away her mm. name was Doshi which is the Doi birds are named after um, and she lived at home with us and like I did not know how to deal with grief. I did not know how to understand it. I did not know how to process it, as in nobody really does. There's Mm -hmm. no right way to do it. But at that time or at that age, I was already quite fragile. Mm. Um, So I suppose it kind of went from a depression or anxiety and an eating disorder to a really dark place. Like I, I, I like pretty fell into a dark hole um, and I couldn't... And I didn't want to get out of it. Mm. I was so numb. I was mm. so distraught 
but I didn't have any feelings either. Like I, I literally didn't have anything. I thought that I was, I was really paranoid of other people. I was really paranoid. My mum's my best friend, but I was paranoid of every time she was on her phone, was she talking about me? I was staying at home. I was staying in my room. I was blocking off all of the windows and all the mirrors so I couldn't see myself. If I did, I could have scratched myself until I was bleeding. I'd have panic attacks off and I couldn't go out and f- go out to people. I, I literally, I just, but then when I did, I, when I did leave the house, you wouldn't have known I was sick. Only for yeah. the fact that I was after losing a lot of weight and I looked quite slim. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have, I still was playing my camogie. I still went. You were able to put on that front. I was able to put on this face of happiness. And did it cross your mind to go to a doctor? No, never. Never crossed my mind to go to a doctor until one night I was with my sister and she knew things were bad. I suppose everyone's kind of tiptoeing around it because no one knew how bad it was. I didn't even know at the mm. time. And hindsight is a fantastic thing. You look back and yeah. you're like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. But at the time, I didn't realise what I was going through. I didn't. Mm-hmm. So until you hear someone else's story and you're kind of like, oh, I can relate to that. But I remember the first time my sister seen me having a really, really bad panic attack and the fear of God in her eyes. And she was like, does this happen often? And I was like, oh, all the time. I, I can't eat. I don't sleep. I have terrors at night. Mam used to put me to bed every night and literally curl up beside me until I fell asleep. Like, And I used to, I just told her everything that night and I was just bawling my eyes out. And she's like, we're going to get help tomorrow. And that was when we first went to the system. It was actually the next morning we got up and she sent me into, mm-hmm. uh, we went to A&E. But the system there wasn't extremely supportive either. And at that time, I it, it was actually the week previous to that that I had tried to take my own life. And I had made the decision. I was so happy with my decision. Like I was, for years of being in like a really dark place, for the first time, I felt this relief of that I was doing the right thing. And I, oh, it, it was crazy. It's, it's obviously not the right thing to do, but I was in such a bad mental state at the time. I felt like it was the right thing to do. I've heard that. My cousin died by suicide before. And I, like, I remember just in learning about it afterwards. Yeah that people say that you can go into like a state of being kind of elated and happy and yeah. like nobody would know anything is no, wrong. Nobody would know. And when I, when, like that, when I made, when I finally made the decision and I felt so, it felt normal that that was the right thing to do. I remember going down and chatting to my sister and having the gossip sweater for the first time that night, that evening. And then I remember going back up to mum and dad's house and sitting around the table and having a cup of tea. And I think I must have been around October time because it was a bit of brack or something on the table. And I ate and everyone was kind of looking at me going, she's eating. Like, I just felt so normal because I knew what was coming. I knew that I that I'd made my decision. And then I did, I tried to, I tried to commit suicide. I took an overdose and what I took should have 100% worked. But luckily, I think there was somebody looking down on me. Mm. Um, And I had also come to terms and come to the idea that I was actually going to be with granny. So things were going to be all right. Mm. Because do you know that saying that like, oh, she's always here. She's always Mm going to be with you. Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, that's, that's where I'm going to be. So I'll be fine. I'll be with everyone all the time. Oh my God. Yeah, so it kind of went from, it went from that, obviously it was a very, very fragile place after that for a couple of weeks and you're in the system then and the system put me through counselling was the first thing they came up with, um, which in my experience was definitely not what I needed um, because it actually relapsed me because they delved into all of these massive triggers and matters that I couldn't cope with or deal with. Um, And I had a relapse of another suicide attempt which was a panicked one and did not have the same thought process before the first one. It was literally just a panic. 
that mm. I done I done that one. Um, that one led me to hospital, and I was in hospital for a little while after that. But I think after that was kind of the up. We had a lot of down days, but we mm. we started figuring things out. We being my family and everybody that was supporting me around me, and the nurses that came to the house every day. Like I suppose you'd have like months dark, like you're in a dark place for months, and you might have like one good day. And then it would be like the next month you might have two good days. And it was just a really, really small, constant build up to be in a position that you actually felt like yourself again. Wow. So if anyone is in that position, it doesn't change overnight, but it is worth it when you get out, out of it. Oh my God. Wow. That's incredible. How old were you? I was um, 18. In my, in my darkest days, I was probably 17, 18, 19, 20. I think that can be a really hard age. You're like yeah. becoming an adult and like... It's a transition. So many things are changing. Yeah. And, and then I think as well when you're dealing with grief, it's so yeah. hard because we don't know how to deal with we it. Like sometimes, yeah. especially when there are people that you really, really love and care about, yeah. you know. Oh my God. Yeah. Are you okay? I'm yeah, like, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, I'm okay. <laughs> Such a okay. hard fair play to you for talking about it. Yeah, but the only thing is like from, I suppose... I didn't realise that I was actually in such a bad place until I heard somebody else speaking about it. Until I knew that, oh, that relates back to me. So Who did you hear speaking about? It was actually the doctors that I first heard about right. speaking about. And they're like, oh, we think you have this. Like, it was depression. I was like, oh, why is that? Like, I didn't mm. know. I didn't have a clue. We weren't taught about that. No, we school. weren't taught about that, especially 10 years ago or whatever it was, yeah. it was. And then I went back and I was like, do I really have that? Mm. And it was then when you heard other people's stories, because obviously it was something that was on my mind, then you were like, oh, I can relate to that. Oh, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit of hope from it because you're hearing these stories from people that have went through it. Yeah. So I suppose me telling my story is literally just to give hope. 100%, yeah. And like to go and get that help and get, you know, yeah. talk about it. And I think people are a lot better now, you know, yeah. at talking about things. Definitely. In the last five, ten years, it's gotten better, I think. Yeah. yeah. But there's still a lot of things that, that we don't all know the answers to, yeah. you know. Of course. One of the questions we ask... Uh, on the podcast is if in the story of your life what's your biggest plot twist I know. can we just like put that into it I know, I know that's what I'm just thinking <laughs> yeah like look at how much yeah that that whole like you're, you Four could be in a completely years. different yeah. scenario now like you know yeah completely I'm so lucky I do and feel like I'm so like lucky absolutely flying it like yeah. you know but I also look back on that time and I'm like I uh, like it sounds mad like and bear with me while I say this but I won't change it because it made me the person I am today. Yeah. Like even when I was listening back to my own story and hearing it as I was the one that wrote it, but I was reading it back, I was like, that girl, I, I, I can understand that girl that I was speaking about and I can relate to her and I understand her and she's like literally the foundations of who I am today. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be the strong, independent person that I am now if I didn't go through that that stage and that really mm-hmm. tough time in life. Yeah. And there's always something positive to be taken from something like this because you have to go through bad days to understand what the good days are. 100%. Okay, obviously they were a little bit too bad. <laughs> but like you yeah. do, there there is there is a difference like you yeah. need to. I think it's really inspiring that you've come out the other side and for anyone who may be listening and has struggled like that, they'll get a lot of hope from that. Yeah. Um if you could take a page out of someone else's book or a leaf, sorry, out of someone else's book. Oh. Who would it be? 
can I say my mom? Yeah, of course. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know my mom. <laughs> well, I was watching you on Arnold AM. You were you were joking about your mom there. You were like, I she took my dish. Oh, yeah, no, mom is like the funniest <laughs> woman ever. Her humor alone, if I could just take her human humor alone, like, but she is like a bubble of positivity. Like oh. I'm literally after dropping her off to the chemo ward while she goes to get her treatment and she's still beaming and like shouting back at me with jokes and I'm like, go on, will you? <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that your mom is going oh, she, like, No, this is ongoing. She's happy out. She's positive. She's, yeah. she's five years now oh, wow. going through treatment and she's doing really, really, really okay, well. Okay, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay, so it's all, anytime anyone speaks about it, like I know it brings down the tone a little bit but mom's extremely positive and she's like fighting it and she's going to continue to fight it. Oh. Oh, fair play, and yeah. fair play to you for driving her down and taking care of her. And <laughs> I'm glad you could be here I today. Should, as a result. I should have just get let her get the bus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How often does she have to come down? Uh, I suppose she was she was there yesterday as well. She was there twice last week. She's there again next week. So okay, there's always two lot. or three appointments every week. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. And yeah, how yeah. long does we lock one for? Forever. Really? Yeah, she's stage four, so it's something that's constantly they're fighting. There's always something popping up, unfortunately, okay. <laughs> and there's always like a new a new treatment then for it. So. All right, okay. Yeah. So she was originally diagnosed with breast cancer, which had spread then um, to inflammatory cancer. So every time the cancer comes back, it comes back as a different strain of cancer. Mm. So they're they're constantly treating one type of cancer while others kind of pop up and they. It's amazing she stays so positive. So positive. Was COVID hard for you then? Was oh my God, COVID was so tough. I actually, I know I'm putting this on me, but I had to sit in a car for eight hours and I couldn't go to the toilet. <laughs> oh my God, I know. That was so, actually a big struggle of COVID. I am not joking. I, okay, mom had to go and get her can, her chemo and get surgeries and everything like that, but I was sitting in the car. <laughs> eight hours because you wouldn't be able to go into the You hospital. weren't allowed in, yeah. We used to beg the nurses and they used to sneak me in just so I could go to the toilet. Anyway, but anyway no, I'm only, I'm joking about that. Mom obviously was like the number one priority. Back yeah, then, of course. Yeah, 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 she had um, t- she had two surgeries, one bout of chemo and two bouts of radiation inside that that period. So, from, what happened with the shop over COVID? Then were you the shop transitions in, transitioned into a, an online craziness. Um, I feel like you really like your online yeah. business really blossomed. Yeah, over so COVID. I actually had an I had a plan of introducing online um at in February of twenty twenty. That's when COVID came then. Yeah, right. Came in March. Yeah. So we sent out our first boxes in February. I think it was only about eight boxes that were sent out. And then I was like, oh my God, we can do this. We can send cakes out. I was like, then the shop was too busy, we couldn't do it. COVID came. I was like, send everyone home try and organise everyone make sure all the staff were looked after and then I went home and I was like this is it now we'll be back in two or three weeks it'll be fine signed up to an online photography course and I nearly threw the laptop out the window I was like no can't do this <laughs> so I went back into the bakery and I was like there's something I can do I can definitely do something so I researched and over two weeks I got loads of samples of boxes I started baking only two different products I think I'd done a brownie and a chocolate biscuit cake figured I had to put them online with a great team of guys that were working in the background mm. and then I just put them up for sale. And I think we sold like 25 or 30, something like that in the first week. And hand roll every single label because I didn't realise there was a system there that you could actually print off labels. <laughs> hand roll every single label, wrapped, packed, boxed, the whole lot, sent it out. Then the following week, I was like, oh, I'll put them up online again. The website crashed. I was like, what is going on here? I don't even know how to use websites. I don't know what's going on. So there was hundreds of people on the website and then I was like okay so we did like we'd go through all these problems of like we needed a new host company we needed a new dispatch we needed to get new couriers I was like oh I don't know what I'm doing all I had to do is bake you had your finger on the money when people want that like I remember sitting yeah. at home and when 
companies, like especially like really tasty companies, yeah. like, when they went online, you're there waiting at the other oh end. Oh my god! Like, and we used I to do order it. this. I can order cocktails to the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get them to me. But it was like six o'clock every Wednesday. They, oh I was like. God. The website's going to crash. I know it's going to crash. And you could see like 13,000 people waiting to get on. 13,000? Thousands. One week we had up to 22,000 people trying to get onto the website. Oh, completely crashed. We couldn't get back up for like hours. Oh my God. We'll try that again tomorrow. That's so exciting. (laughs) It was really exciting. But then obviously as a business and you're trying to grow and this is completely new to me. I didn't have a clue. So I was like, oh, and you you were trying to figure out these problems. And me and you were both, we were, but I was doing going for growth at the time, what you're doing now. Yeah. And I was like going to them with problems and they were like, that is incredible. Uh, yeah. not, I was like, but how do I fix it? I don't have a clue. Yeah. Who so was I, your lead entrepreneur? Uh, for Delma. Okay, yeah, she was amazing but I really needed that group and that support system that year because I didn't know what I was doing Yeah, at the time like I was mam's so like carer as well so I couldn't take on anyone else so it was literally me baking wrapping packing boxing uh, oh and you couldn't go into the, the cafe no I was it? in the cafe but I was in there on my own I couldn't oh. have anyone in helping me oh because you needed to be completely I, isolated I needed to be isolated so my sister who just had a baby literally in the January she was doing all the labelling for me at home with a new baby at home and then I was like working as many hours as I could possibly work. Wow. I was probably going home for two or three hours just for a little nap in the middle. You of must have been absolutely wrecked but it's a good story. It's <laughs> a real good story. <laughs> Book number two, I can yeah. see it now already. <laughs> yeah, and it was great for the brand. It was great for brand awareness yes. as well. Yes, yeah, Because it was pink boxes all over the country. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you've obviously grown a really big, successful business. Yeah. What has made you want to stay in Mullingar? And not move to the capital or move somewhere yeah. where you have access to more people or, you know. I suppose, like, first off, number one, we're really, really lucky that a lot of people travel to us. Yeah. And oh, that we wow. are, yeah, I actually was like, I went outside not so long ago and there was a queue outside. And the first people at the door was four girls that had drove off from La Hinge. Wow. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, this mad. But I do know that people drive from all over the country. So, like... That I'm so grateful for and I'm so lucky. I know not everybody has that. But I suppose it's really important to keep, like we have 15, I think 15 employees. So like they're all local. They're all in Mm -hmm. that community Mm -hmm. and we all know each other. So I like the idea of it being there. Also hate Dublin traffic. Oh yeah, I know. Especially this time of year. Can't stand double traffic. So that's one big thing. And I just like that small community vibe. I I love the fact that like, we're, we started there, we're, we started as a tiny little shop with just me and it was just built up and built up and built up over the years. Like my flagship store will always be in Mullingar. Yeah. It'll never leave it. It'll, it'll always be there. Okay, we might pop up. Yeah, else, I'm just saying, I heard you say flagship. I'm like, does that mean there's more coming? No, no, well, there's... Well, um, you're great at this. I'm good at this. <laughs> I feel like I'm playing a game of guess who. I feel like I'm nearly at the answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, right. Enough of that. Yeah. Enough. I'm, I'm prying here too. Spilling my beans. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you worked with Nevin, who's obviously an amazing Irish chef. Mm-hmm. And I know you worked in a couple other places as well. What is it like being, you know, an Irish chef and being a, a woman? Because I know it's mainly, it's a lot of men, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, there is a quite a lot of men in the industry. But like just being a woman in 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 the kitchens wasn't too bad um, I actually really enjoyed it because actually up in Nevins there was a there was a nice well okay there wasn't a mix it was probably about four 
versus like 12 men. But mm-hmm. everybody got on really well and they were all there for one reason was to like create f- fabulous food. But women in business, like I can tell you a few stories at the beginning that people would not take me seriously. Oh, really? Because I was a woman. Or oh like, my God. I even have a land, I had a landlord who wouldn't speak to me because I was female and would only speak to my partner at the time. And I was like, you can't do that. Like, you, like we've so had... What we, age are we living in? I, I'm not joking you. Wouldn't take me seriously. And like, even when I've had um, meetings, I love doing this now because they come in and I'm like, no, I don't have time for you. But uh, there was guys that come in for, um, their, we we order a lot of our stock off them. But at the beginning, our, a lot of our stock was not a lot. It was only a few things here, there and everywhere. But now mm. we buy pallet loads of stuff. But at the beginning, they would not take us seriously. They would not speak to me. I, I for ages I had to email them and then when they kept wanting to meet me because I knew they wouldn't take me seriously everything was gone again like they had no respect for me whatsoever my credit was taken away from me because I was a young woman in business mm. and I remember going home crying one of the days being like why is this a problem why is being a woman a young woman in business an actual problem my auntie was at home and she goes she was a farmer and she was like the only like the only thing that got in the, her way of work was the fact that she was a female. Really? Yeah. What did she do? She was a farmer. Oh, farmer. Farmer in business. But sure, I just heard the reports there recently. I hope this is correct. I'm pretty sure it is. But 1% of all EU farming contributions um, went to female female businesses or female farmers in Ireland recently. 1%? 1%. I'm like, yeah. oh, we're such a like minority group. I know. I know. I guess that is just tradition in a way isn't it yeah but sure it's the same with like women in sports as well like obviously we have that issue at the moment I'm like looking at the lads and they've like two gym memberships and we play like with the same county and we're going back into county training and we've two hours access to a gym a week that's it that's a joke yeah and if you don't make it you don't make it like I know it, it, that is unfair when it's it comes so to unfair sports. yeah yeah yeah. Well, we could go into this all day I know did I sense you had a revenge story there never never have a revenge story <laughs> well I did get like my own back on on somebody maybe once um, so I got really disrespected by this uh, sales person before okay. like, never took me seriously really didn't like the fact that I was doing business with them we hate him yeah, we able to. <laughs> I'm actually not hating against men I, <laughs> no, I know, no I know all lovely all lovely people but it was just one of those things that really got me on the wrong day and really upset me and really threw me back as a young woman in business mm-hmm. really trying to push through. Trying to figure, figure, figure it out. things out. And it was two or three years later, it was the same person and he'd obviously went up a role or two in his job and uh, they organised a meeting, a Zoom call, whatever it was with this person. And I was like, I recognise that name. And lo and behold, there he was on the Zoom and he asked me, I was asked to do promo work for them. And I didn't know that's what the Zoom call was going to be about. So I sent them back my, uh, I actually have never charged anyone for promo work before I don't do it. But I sent them back a bill for my promo work. He had told his managers and told everyone high up that he'd got me on to do it. Oh, and when wow. I sent them a bill, he couldn't find the, fun, the funds together to put it together. Oh, I love And that. he had to come back and he came down to the shop and he asked me so nicely, so politely, with two bottles of wine, would I do the promo work for him? And I didn't do it. Did no, you not? not. No. no. So what did you say? I just said I was very busy doing women in business things. <laughs> we were like calculating. They were like literally like putting our fingers together yeah, like, like Mr. Burn yeah. here. <laughs> 
I, I love that. And I actually know the next person he went and she said no as well. He ended up having to get a man for the promo even though it was meant to be a female. Well, you're probably happier with that, right? I was absolutely chuffed. <laughs> I was delighted. <laughs> okay, I have one more question for you. Okay. What is your happily ever after? My happily ever after? That soppy thing that I'm already like loving everything that I'm doing. And I just want to continue to do it. And as long as I'm being creative and pushing forward with 2210 and it's part of my life, I have a healthy family, happy family. Yeah, I, I really don't need much. Yeah. Really, Like the simple things, the real simple things in life, I suppose. I know. I do have that like, um, do you know when you can like manifest your dream day? Have you ever yeah. done that? Yes, I've oh, all, yeah, I all the time. I love doing that. But like I'm down to like manifesting my dream day down to knowing what music is even playing in the background and how oh. like the tiles feel on my feet like building this house that I'm planning on building which I can't afford to build <laughs> like everybody else in the country but I'm like manifesting it. So yeah, okay. that's I have my dream day. Okay, I feel like you are not imagining a simple day here though. Oh no, it's a very simple day. Oh, really? It just has everything that I love in it. So like there is a part of it being really calm and easy at the very beginning oh, and up early. Oh. And like and not being in a rush. Yeah, in a beautiful kitchen, having my nice coffee, mm. with music on, family around, then then going to do something creative like or work in twenty two ten or Oh my god. Yeah, it, it's I'm like not I, in the evening. Yeah, in the evening. There's always always a little bit of sport involved. Sport. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, but I think you're similar like that. You love going to the gym, don't you, for your, for I, your mind? I love being active in some shape or form. Yeah. So yeah, my, my perfect day does involve a little yeah, bit of activity. Yeah, I feel like that as well. I feel like I need to have something just to to balance out my day. Yes. Yeah. Even uh, though sometimes I don't want to go. I know, because yeah. it helps my head. Literally, yeah. I went this morning. I did not want to go. It was absolutely Did you crazy. go this morning? I did not want to go. I went last night and I was like, what am I doing here? My sister was in my apartment this morning. I was like, I really don't want to go. She was like, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> I was like, I know, but it's just, I have to go. Yeah. To, it's going to make me feel better. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't want to talk about it. And I just went and yeah. I went for a little while and I felt better. And yeah, that was it. It does. It's, it's a game changer. Game <laughs> and changer. you know what it is as well? Sometimes when you just need to shower. It's a waste. Oh, I'm so, <laughs> this is so funny. I was meant to go swimming last night and I was like, I can't because I'm not washing my hair till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the hair. It's all about the hair. Isn't it? <laughs> but listen, Una, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so lovely to chat thank to you. Thank you for being so open. And I'm just so delighted you're our last guest of the season. Oh, thank you. Let's guys. go eat some, some brownies, cakes. some cakes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for bringing them. Thank you. Okay, guys, that's it. We're off to go enjoy our gorgeous cakes from 2210 Patisserie. I can't believe that's the last episode of the season. If you've been listening all along with us, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed. And we are busy organising some guests for next year. If you have anyone in mind that you'd love to hear, whether they're an author, whether they're a book nerd, or whether they're just a normal person with a really interesting story, just let us know. Drop us an email at openbook@goloudnow.com. We'll be picking up the book club next year too. And I hope you all have a lovely Christmas.